Hello, everyone, and welcome into episode two of the Isaac Shelby Coaches Show. I am your host, Ethan Schmidt, on the phone with me, the head coach of the Clarksville High School Wildcat football team, Isaac Shelby. Coach Shelby, how are you today? Good. How are you, Ethan? I'm doing well. Now, Coach, obviously, week one wasn't the way that uh, we wanted it to start off with. You know, obviously, you always want to pick up a victory when you can. Uh, I think uh, a lot of things were learned this week about the team. A lot of things uh, it was very much playing against a team that had already had a chance to get some rust off of them. And then this team that we're coaching here having to actually get uh, the rust off and uh, kind of getting it in the worst way and a 42-7 loss. What did you see from your team, though, in week one that you think that uh, you'll be able to build on? I definitely saw a lot of young guys make plays. You know, um, I think we made a lot of mistakes that are typical of like a first scrimmage and a second scrimmage. And we haven't had those yet. So unfortunately, we made some of those mistakes on Friday, but um, definitely stuff that, that we can build on. But I was proud of, um, a lot of a lot of young guys and what they did. And I think it's something we can work with. And you talk about the young guys. I mean, we were we were kind of discussing this after the game. And, um, you know, most of the guys who touch the ball are either um, are either sophomores or they're guys who are in maybe the first time ever playing football or their first time getting actual varsity minutes during crucial points in games. How big is that as a coach for you to be able to, uh, um, you know, come back and remind these guys that like, yes, this might be your first time, but you have the ability to make this happen. Um, it's, it's definitely big. Um, I think there was a lot of nerves, you know, like, uh, you know, Gavin Baxter is a really good baseball player and this is his first time playing football in a while. And, you know, he got some touches and, and we're just really kind of loaded with sophomores on the offensive end at skill positions. Um, probably Nico Clark is our most experienced, uh, and most experienced senior. And he was out Friday night with an injury. Um, and even, and even, you know, Nico, you know, fought an injury for the first seven or eight weeks last year. So it's, it's just hard, but I think it'll all work. Um, it may take a couple of weeks. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, uh, you know, going down to Stewart's Creek and, and having that that trip, you have to go through Murfreesboro, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and to have that kind of be your first opener. Um, how do you look at your team going forward at this point? Uh, we just, you know, we fix some mistakes. We'll fix those on Monday, and then we'll move on to Rockville and um, try to get better each week. One of the things that I always tell people is. Um, you know, I, I was told by an older coach one time, you play 10 to get 11 or you play 10 to get five. Um, so that's the reason that you play the, the 10 regular seasons to get to five. So the most important thing is to have enough wins and the correct wins in your region to get in. And then how good are you in week 11? Um, I know, if, you know, a few years ago when I was at Northeast, we had a final four team that was six and four in the regular season, um, but they kept getting better each week. So, um, you know, it, it's just one of those things, but but how good you are in week 11 is really the most critical thing. And and how do you feel? I know we always talked about this because I remember, you know, even my time when we were playing um, at Clarksville High School, week one was always someone who was either a bigger, you know, bigger capacity team. Uh, normally we started off against like an Antioch or something yeah. like that earlier on, um, at least when I was there. As a coach, you know, you are you wanting to schedule that first game to be someone tough because if you do come out there and you don't play well, um, you still know that these guys might be able to hang with the team that is bigger than them. So when they get into a, a team that might be the same kind of caliber as them, they should be able to kind of play well against them. 
I just I just think you always want to play good competition, and that's why we schedule you know Rossview our our non districts are Rossview, Springfield, Stewart's Creek, and Rockville. And when you look at those four teams, they're all really well coached. Um, they all have good players. They they all fall in that category, um, and that's kind of really where you build your. To me, it's where you build your non region schedules by playing tough teams like that, um, so that you're so that you're good later in the year. Now, obviously, I know, you know, as a coach, you know, you always want to see players uh, step up. Who do you think uh, in week one was someone that really stepped up that you were just very proud of and said, like, okay, if this guy continues to do this, he's going to keep doing this and and we'll be able to build off of this one player? Without a doubt, it was Jamar Carnell this week. Um, That changes every week, but um, he ran the ball really hard. Um, He got behind his pads, you know, we challenged him a lot a couple weeks ago. Um, and he's really, really improved. Um, there was a couple plays, you know, aside from that, there was a couple plays on tape where he's blocking and he's making fakes and, and making really, really like captain, like older guy kind of plays. Um, there was one we talked earlier about, um, on a, on a jet sweep, he went out and got a piece of the corner and, yeah. and it wasn't, it wasn't his job, but he went out there and did it. Uh, he, I mean, he played incredible to me. Uh, I think he's definitely a, you know, a building block of the future. Absolutely. Coach, any final thoughts here on Stewart's Creek? I know we're going to move on in the second half of the show. We'll talk a little bit more about upcoming opponents, but mm-hmm. any kind of final thoughts you have from week one here against Rock or against uh, Stewart's Creek and, and what we what we can expect from this Wildcats team moving forward? I just think the biggest the biggest improvement for any team is between week one and week two. And that's with you get scrimmage. That's even if you have scrimmages, usually have that big jump from week one to week two. So hopefully we can make a big jump this week. Um, you know, this week and eliminate a few of those errors. Um, but you know, I, I think overall, you know, it wasn't a, it was something we can learn from. And, and I think it's something the kids will really, when we watch that tape Monday, they'll really, um, you know, they really focus on a few things. Now, I, I guess we need to talk about the elephant in the room, or I guess the goat in the room, if you will. We had yeah. a locker room that was on the path that you had to walk to Stewart's Creek. There was about five goats out there. Do you think Stewart's Creek knew that you were not a fan of goats? I don't think so. I know I mentioned that on the podcast last time, but that's the first time I've been to Stewart's Creek. Um, really, really nice school. Um, but I've been coaching, I started coaching on 20, 36, so 16 years worth of road games, and I've never, like, walked past some goats that, <laughs> it looked like they were in, like, a classroom, like, an agriculture type thing, yeah. or, or, I'm not sure, but there were, there were some goats and chickens and a few other animals, um, but, uh, I was walking there and I saw those goats and I thought, oh, this might be a long day. <laughs> yeah, I think we made the joke on the field beforehand. Um, if we saw a penguin or a uh, house cat running around, we might just need to pack yeah, up and go back, back home. get back on the bus. Yeah, mm-hmm, for sure. All right, Coach. Well, I think we've we've touched enough here on Stewart's Creek. Uh, we're going to take our first break of the show. When we come back, we'll look at Rockvale. And then, of course, we'll have our three big questions for Coach Shelby uh, that's actually provided by uh, a former Wildcat himself via Twitter. So we'll have that coming up after the break. If you like the show so far and would like to be a sponsor, you can reach out to us on social media on Facebook at Clarksville Football or on Twitter and Instagram at Clarksville FB. All right, let's get back to the action. All 
All right, everyone, welcome back into the Isaac Shelby Coaches Show. We're ready for segment two as we look forward to Rockvale. And, Coach, uh, what can you tell us a little bit about Rockvale? Uh, new school. Um, we played them last year. It, the, the school itself is actually a lot like Stewart's Creek. Um, but uh, Ricky Rice is their coach. Um, he's really, really good. Uh, I coached with him in the All-Star game a couple years ago. Got to go to Cookville and spend the whole week with him. Just a really, really sharp guy. Um, they'll be real well disciplined. Um, they're super tough offensively. Super, super tough offensively. Now, when you have something, you, obviously you mentioned the coach that they have in there uh, should have them pretty ready to go. But when you have a newer school like that, uh, that really doesn't have the tradition established or anything like that, um, how do you really prepare for a team like Rockvale when, when you know that it's still kind of like their players are still having to really buy in on things? Yeah, I don't know. Coach Rice does such a good job with him. I don't think that he's really going to fight that. Um, you know, they're um, – he, he's just really good. I don't, I don't think they're really fighting culture or anything like that. Um, starting out brand new with a clean slate may actually help you a little bit um, to where, you know, you get all your stuff in right from the beginning. But um, I don't know. They're, they they shift in motion and trade a lot to over, um, which is really, really good. You know, it's kind of like I always thought like in karate where you have like different kinds of belts that show your like skill level at something or like the Boy Scouts with badges. Like if there was – if if that applied to football, like Coach Rice would have like a double black belt or whatever the highest one is in shifts and trades and over um, because they do it 50 different ways. Um, you know, it's it's really, really tough. The the scheme they run is really, really good. So with uh, looking at last last week's game moving into Rockville here, uh, you got a young quarterback in, in Davin Garinger and, uh, you know, probably not the best outing that he would have wanted to have. Uh, you know him as he's very analytical. Uh, I know mm-hmm. he's he's sitting there watching the tape and everything like that, looking at what he can do to improve. Um, how do you get someone like Davin confidence back wise going against a team like Rockvale? He just needs more experience. You know, all those sophomores and those new guys like like Baxter, they just need more experience. And the the hard thing about experience, the only way to like get experience is to have experience. So they just need to work through that. Um, you know, Davin's going to be fine. He threw a couple interceptions of the day, but uh, when you go back and look at it on tape, of, of the three of them there was, he made one bad decision. There was one incredible play by a defensive back from Stewart's Creek, um, just incredible play. And there was another one that was a result of being backed up on a, on a penalty. And uh, it was, it was, it was kind of like a punt to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, it was kind of like a punt. Yeah. I, I think that's one of those things that, as well that, you know, we, we talked about with the fact that you really didn't get that time at camp, really didn't get those seven on sevens uh, due to everything that was going on over the, over the summer and not really being able to meet as a team. You know, how do you, for your receiving core, for your quarterback, for, even for your running backs who uh, will run out and catch passes, um, how do you get that in their minds that even though we didn't have that period beforehand, um, we're kind of having to learn by fire, but you have to pick it up quick. We just got to keep working at it. It's, it's just one of those that takes time, you know, and, and you, when you have a normal year, you run through three, seven on seven tournaments and you do all that other stuff. And, you know, uh, you make those decisions, um, a bunch of times during the summer and we just didn't get to do that this year, but nobody did. So, um, you know, it's just going to take some time, but, you know, like I said earlier, the, the most important thing is, you know, going into week 11, are you playing your best, you know? Um, so I don't mind getting some of those, getting some of those oopses out early and, and seeing what happens later in the year. 
And we also have to remind Gavin that uh, there was a time in Clark's High football where they didn't really throw the ball. So him throwing three interceptions okay. is huge because he's also getting at least 20 to 25 attempts to throw the ball, right. yeah. uh, which is something that not many not many players, if you go back um, probably before you came there, we, there were really guys who were throwing the ball other than maybe Devin Rodriguez. So right. um, it yeah. just wasn't, a, it wasn't anything big there. Uh, for yeah. for quarterbacks to actually have that opportunity, he has a, he has a pass option on ninety percent of our plays, yeah. um, and so I don't you know I don't think people realize that you know he has to make that decision on every play. You know he's not making it he's not making it occasionally. He's making it every single play. So when you look at his decision making over the course of the night, I thought it was pretty good. Um, he just made just made one bad one. Um, we had one that was virtually a punt and. One really, really good play by Stewart's Creek DB. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, a lot of people with that RPO has just changed the way that a quarterback can really work out there. And when you look at how the running backs ran, uh, I think he made some very good decisions uh, out he there. He did. He did. Another young guy to kind of uh, bring up, I, I thought uh, I thought we had uh, Jamari Cobb playing very well out there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a smaller back. <laughs> what When you see a guy like that and, and just kind of see how shifty he is, uh, you know, as a coach, how do you feel when you see a guy like that out there who's able to kind of just make one cut and make some guys miss, even though he's only probably about what five six? Yeah, he's probably our he's probably our fastest guy, um, but he he has some power when he runs too. Um, you know, he's he's a shifty, he's electric when he has the hand, when he has his hands on the ball. He actually made one uh, one catch on a bubble screen where he made a couple guys miss and got tackled and rolled over the top of the guy that tackled him and hopped back up. And it was kind of weird because he was you know it was iffy on if he was down or not. He yeah. was heady enough to keep going. Yeah, I, I, that was a very heads up play. Mm-hmm. Um, by Jamari. So we're getting ready for uh, Rockvale. It'll be the first time coming back home this season as well. Uh, Coach, you, you finally get a chance to get back to Clarksville High School. What is it? What's that feeling like on a Friday night to be able to be back at Clarksville High School? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Again, I, I thought it was I thought it was kind of strange at Stewart's Creek. You know, uh, I thought Stewart's Creek admin and coaches did a really good job. Um, you know, we buzzed all our kids in when we got on the bus. and when We got there. You know, everybody was spaced out. And, um, you know, it was it was weird seeing like folding chairs on the track and stuff like that. So, you know, I hope it has as close to a normal home game feel that we have. But I really don't you know, I don't know that it will. I don't know that anybody will know until seven o'clock. Yeah, it's weird to see open spots on a Friday night in bleachers. Mm-hmm. Like it just doesn't, it, it never makes sense. Uh, but I thought they, like you said, I thought they did a really good job on that home side. You know, I was able to kind of see their home home crowd there, and mm-hmm. they were. I mean, they had the good spacing. You know, I, I know the the groups of like families that are normally used to sitting with each other just kind of left like a row in between them. But um, yeah. I, I think I think if we can continue to do that, I don't think anybody's going to complain at all Not whatsoever. Only so. We taped our bleachers off a couple of weeks ago, so you know it's it's pretty easy directions, and it's you know it's it's on the bleacher where you can sit and where you can't. So uh, we're gonna definitely miss watch looking up there behind us in that student section being you know packed to the gills. I think, um, but you know that's one of the big benefits of Clarksville High is just the way our students um, you know follow our kids, and that'll be a little different, but we'll just have to see. Absolutely, Coach. Let's move on here to uh, some some the three big questions, if you will, uh, provided this week by Gavin Hams. Um, tell us a little bit about Gavin and your guys' relationship, because he obviously was very excited to get these questions out. 
Gavin's excited about everything, but um, he was uh, he played baseball at Clarksville High, and he came out um, the summer of his senior year, and he played receiver for us for a couple months, um, and then uh, ended up helping the coaching staff his senior year. But um, he was one of my classroom aides, and he's just a, he's a funny guy. He'll end up being the mayor of Clarksville one day, I think. You know, I think everybody will vote for him because he's just never met a stranger. Um, but really, really funny guy. But he would always ask me a bunch of questions in class. Well, I got three of them for you here. Right. Um, we're going to start off with, uh, and you've seen these, so you kind of know them already. Yeah, I did see them on Twitter. One of them is a little confusing, but okay. I, 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 call, I called for clarification on it. So. Okay. Um, 90s basketball versus basketball today. Is that one we had a call for clarification, or you, you're ready to no, go No, that one's not bad because <laughs> I know what he's talking about there. Um, he, uh, When I was a kid, my grandparents had season tickets to the Pacers. They had right. three of them. So from like age seven to like – 11 i probably saw you know every home pacer game that was possible to watch but um there was arguing about the he was always arguing about the difference between lebron and michael jordan and you know the comparisons and like contrast of those two players and i just don't think you can compare the two because the age of basketball was so different when jordan was playing um I think it was. I think it was tougher. The rules were tougher. Um, obviously, the three-point line was different. Um, not saying LeBron's not tough. He's incredible. He's probably the most incredible athlete I've ever seen with my own eyes. Except maybe Bo Jackson. Like some of the. I mean, he's way, way up there. Um, but you hear people make that comparison all the time, and I just don't know that you can make it because you, you never got to see Jordan play. You never got to see Jordan play in an era where every any any kind of touching another person as a foul like that just wasn't um that just didn't exist back then and you never got to saw lebron play with that but he's so physically dominant i don't know how that i don't know if it would have affected him the way that um you know that it affects other people but comparing those two is just different like when you go back and look at scores like if somebody scored 100 in a game like in the 90s it was just shocking you know um if if a team scored 100 most games were like 92 85 and stuff like that um now i mean you'll see like the rockets and you know you watch harden and westbrook and like if they don't score 100 it's you know it's crazy you know sometimes they're up up to 130 140 you know in a regular game and it's i just i you know i hate that comparison of those two people yeah i we've we've talked about that before actually on uh on my other podcast and it's always one of those things where like you know we're always big on because obviously when I was growing up, Kobe was the guy. So right, we right. were all, you know, we've all been sold on Kobe for so long that, you know, it, it's hard to, to watch the comparison. But I do think the Last Dance documentary um, really gave kind of this generation of basketball fans um, an idea of what it was like back mm. in the 90s because they might not have been alive, A. But yeah. B, they, they probably didn't get to see Michael Jordan in his prime and I think the last dance kind of shored that up for him. Yeah. But I think, uh, I think for like young people that didn't watch basketball at that time, like they talk about the Pistons playing the way they did and they absolutely, they absolutely did. You know, they, they played rough and they played rough every single night. And, um, you know, but it wasn't just the Pistons that did that. There were a lot of teams that mantra was that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it was just a different style of basketball. Um, but you know, LeBron's great. Jordan's great. Comparing the two is hard, in my opinion. All right, question number two here was uh, unnecessary things that bother you. This was the one that I had to call and get clarification on because I'm not sure what unnecessary was. Um, but uh, 
I did I did get clarification on it. Um, there's one example. Uh, um, you know how people have like ornamental deer in their yard, yes. like when you go out in the country. <laughs> I I th- I think like if I ever got like elected mayor of a city, like one of the first things I would do is make all of the ornamental deer face away from the road. Okay. Like, I don't think it's fair to have like ornamental deer, like facing the road and, you know, you're driving down the road and you see, you think you see a deer like every 200 yards and it's just decorations, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't like that. I think they should face away. Uh, the other one that wanted me to mention was, uh, like orange juice. Um, like I, th- I think, I think if it doesn't have pulp in it, it's closer to orange drink than juice, Okay. you know? Um, those two things there was one other one uh oh uh voicemail um i don't know did did you always have like caller id as a kid uh not always so my voicemail is off and it's always been off and always be off um for this reason people always say like coach shelby why don't you have voicemail but like before like caller id you didn't know who was calling so you had to hit the button and listen to the message to figure out you know what to do but now like if you call me like it says your name on my phone so if I miss a call from me, I'm just going to call you right back. Well, most people call and leave a voicemail that says like, hey, this is Joe. Call me back. But I already knew that because my phone tells me that it's Joe. So I just get rid of all my voicemail together because I think if it's something that's super easy, they're just reminding you. They would text you that. But if someone's actually going to call, then, you know, it's way more than a voicemail to like deal with. So I just get rid of voicemail altogether. I don't, I don't do voicemail. Strangely, like all three of those things make perfect sense, though. That's the yeah. That's the big thing is like all three of those actually make sense um, when you explain them. Our final question. Well, I, try, I try to make sense on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our, our final question for you is why you don't give up layups. Um, Gavin always insisted he could beat me in basketball, and he couldn't. But if like I was told him if he if he was going to play me in basketball and beat me, he would have to shoot really really well from the outside. And he would say, why? And I said, I just don't give up layups. And he's like, what do you mean? And I was like, I don't give up. Like, you can come in there and try to lay it up, but you're not going to do it more than once. Like, I don't give up the easy ones. You're going to have to, like, shoot it from the outside. There's no layups. Like, that's just what I was taught as a kid. Kind of, like, goes back to that 90s basketball thing. Like, if you're going to come in there, like, you're going to pay for it. All right. I just, I, just don't, I just don't give up layups. Uh, I think we should all kind of remember that as well. Um, especially, uh, when you think of the nowadays basketball with how much, uh, points are scored here, but, uh, yeah. coach, I, I, I appreciate your time here as we get ready for Rockvale. Um, any, uh, any final comments you have here, re- getting ready for this upcoming game? No, I'm just super excited. Can't wait to get to Friday. Um, you know, can't wait to be at home and, and, you know, you know, go one more time at it. Um, I hope we get to it. I, th- I think it's hard, you know. The kids have to remember that, you know, this isn't, um, you know, any night can be your last night. So, you know, with this COVID thing. So um, they got to play really hard. Uh, it is going to be senior night early at uh, at Clarksville High. So we're going to have senior night the first week. Um, so that'll be interesting, too. Never done that before. A lot of new things this season. Well, Coach, thank you so much for your time. This has been Episode 2 of the Isaac Shelby Coaches Show. We hope that you join us again next week. 